success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and they rarely talk about it because that's not what creates success. Join us here where we'll chat with serial entrepreneurs, both men and women, and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship. We'll talk about the obstacles we faced and how to overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is She's Invincible. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on She's Invincible. And do we have an invincible one to introduce you to today? As the founder and chief inspiration officer of Highlander Press, Deborah Keevan loves helping change makers tap into and share their stories of healing and truth. She's guided hundreds of authors to craft and publish impactful books of which they are proud. Debbie holds a master's degree in publishing from Western Colorado University and graduated from Stanford University's novel writing program. She is the host of the Storyteller podcast, where she's elevating women's voices one story at a time. Debbie has trekked the Camino de Santiago, an ancient pilgrimage ending in Santiago, Spain, and lives in Maryland with the love of her life, Rob their sons, and their puppy, Fergus, that is when they're not off discovering the world. Oh my gosh, Debbie Keevan, welcome back. So much fun to have you back with us for a second time. So many exciting things going on with you. So let's catch everyone up. Let's jump in and tell everyone, oh my gosh, how in the world did you get here, where you are today, and what makes you invincible? Thank you so much for having me back, Cammy. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. <laughs> so fun. Oh, my gosh. So I, I wanted to share kind of a story of how I got where I am today. You know, I taught myself to read at four years old. My, wow. I was in a military family and we moved a lot. And my younger brother was a very sickly little boy. And so it was the two of us who played together. But he couldn't play the same way that I wanted to play. So I fell in love with books. And wherever we went, I insisted that my mom take me to the library every Saturday where I would check out a stack of books. And I remember one librarian saying, is she going to read all those by next week? Because I know you're here every week. And mom's like, she'll probably have those read by Sunday. But the thing that that was really interesting was you couldn't get back in the day. You could not get your own library card until you could sign your name in cursive, which was about the second grade. And I wanted my own library card much sooner. And so I had my mother draw my signature and I practiced drawing it, not signing, but drawing it. So I got my first library card when I was four. <laughs> I am not surprised. <laughs> and I've had a love affair with books ever since. Oh. and. Um, you know, I had a very crooked journey. Uh, if you listen to my previous episode, you'll know I was a CPA and I worked in corporate before um, leaving and starting my journey to becoming uh, a writer, an author and a publisher. I love and it. what makes me invincible is my love of words. I happen to think that I am a word smith. 
<laughs> I love that. Oh, that's so great. Oh my gosh. Well, so fun. Well, it's so great to have you back and just to celebrate all that you've done since we were together just a month or so ago. So this is crazy. Well, today I'm excited to talk to you about book publishing. So um, we're talking about anthologies. And so I would love for you to share with our listeners about how participating in an anthology can elevate their visibility and get them in front of new audiences? That's such a great question, Cami. Thank you. So with an anthology, you're working with other people and writing toward a goal. So you're not writing, you know, a 75,000 word book. You're actually writing a 1500 word essay that then gets professionally edited and put into a book, which has its own arc and really takes reader, readers through a journey. And so for many people, especially business owners, they don't necessarily have the time to carve out to write an entire book, and, but they have wisdom to share. And so if they find the exact right fit for their anthology, it gives them a publishing credit. It allows them to be potentially a bestseller and it allows them to have then have a book that can get them to stages and speaking and you know, drafting courses and all kinds of things from that one little chapter in an anthology. I love it. I love it. You know, and I often hear people in business say, I'm going to become an author because I need another stream of income as if writing and publishing a book is going to make them a millionaire, which don't get me wrong, like Rachel Hollis, even if she made a dollar a book and she sold a million, she's making a million dollars, right? Um, but that's the exception, not the rule. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, that stigma of I'm going to have this other stream of income because I'm going to sell my book. That's such a great point. And a lot of people um, put a lot of um, eggs in one basket when it comes to royalties. And the truth of it is, is that royalties, it's a very complex situation. And most people don't make a good living on their income from royalties. The best royalties are going to be that first pop of sales when the book is first published. But for people who are in business, especially women, it becomes a way to attract new audiences. It, it becomes a way of getting in front of other people who then can hire them. So what's the value of one new client? What's the value of someone joining one of your programs? What's the value of fill in the blank, you know, paid speaking gig? So it's much better to look at it from that perspective and look at it as an investment. How many, how many books would I need to sell or how many clients would I want to have attracted to me because of my expertise in this book? So that's actually the way that I usually reframe it to people. I love that. And that's important, right? Because as long as you're getting the book in the right people's hands, then they're seeing you as an expert, which is what we talk about here about visibility, right? Absolutely. And discoverability as well. So, um, and there's just so many other things. So I'll ask you more about that, but I would love to go into this next part of just like, and these are just curiosity questions. I always try to feel like, or think like, what are my listeners thinking? Oh, ask this, ask that, right? They want to know. Sure. So I try to put myself in that seat. So here's my one question is, 
what's it, what's the right or wrong or pros and cons? Is it if you've never written a book before, is it better to become a part of an anthology first and then go on to write your own individual book project? Or, you know, what are some of the benefits or pros and cons in which way to do it? It's that, that that's a good point. So a lot of I think it always comes down to what's your goal. I always start with the end in mind. If you're if you're wanting to write a book, but you don't know where to get started and you're not sure of the process, if you're in a really good anthology, not only will you have your book part of a group of other people who are elevating themselves and you get your wisdom in front of their audiences. So like um, 20 other people that you don't even know, you get in front of their audiences. If you're working with a publisher who is also educating you on the way of the process. So here's the cover design. Here's how you're going to launch a book. Here's the ongoing marketing of the book. Here's what your, your, your elements are. You actually become much more educated, which increases your confidence. You're like, oh, I could take this chapter and I could blow it out. And then you actually have a community as well of other people who may be able to support you in getting that thought down and expanded. I love so that. I think it, yeah, I think it comes down to what your goal is and, and what kind of time you have. Mm. I love that because there's not a right or wrong, right? It really is all the factors together. And I, I think that's great. So, okay. Um, here's another question about publishing a book, self-publish or go with a publishing company. What are the pros and cons here? Oh my gosh. Well, there are three main buckets of publishing. One, as you said, is self-publishing or independent publishing as it's now been rebranded. And then there's the traditional path where you, you know, get an agent and do all of that. And then there's this wild west of hybrid publishing, which is the company that I have, Highlander Press, is in that hybrid space. So there are pros and cons to both. So let me start with independent publishing. Independent publishing got a really bad rap when Create Space was um, introduced in 2008, and all of these very frustrated authors just threw up really poorly designed covers, really either poorly edited or unedited manuscripts. And so right away, they shot themselves in the foot. But if you actually want to self publish or independently publish, there's a lot of pros and cons. You have 100% responsibility, you have a 100% of the reward. So there's nobody that you have to get permission from to do any of it here. That's a pro. The cons are that I, you still need to make investments. So, for example, if you're going to self-publish, there are two areas that I say you always, always, always want to invest in. One is hiring a professional editor. Because you cannot give yourself a good haircut and you fall in love with your own words and it becomes extremely hard to see where you can improve. So a professional editor is a, is a must. And the second is the cover designer. Because if you think about how we purchase books, most of us these days, it's um, a thumbnail on a website. And so you want a really well-designed cover that's going to stop the scroll, then a really well-edited and written summary that's like people, oh, I need this book. So they push the purchase button. So there's pros and cons of and, and unfortunately, a con of of independent publishing is a lot of people don't. They think they have to do it all themselves, but they don't. Mm. 
let's go the other end of the spectrum, which is traditional publishing, which is what most people think of when they think of being published. So there are a lot of hurdles. There are a lot of gatekeepers to traditional publishing. You need to, first of all, find an agent who believes in your work. Then you have to have an agent who has really great connections with a publishing house that happens to be looking for what you want to publish. And then if all of those things work out, you might get a small advance against future royalties, which if you don't earn them out, you don't have to repay, which is really great. But they take a long time. So from, from the time you, your book is licensed by a traditional publisher, you're looking at a minimum of two years. And it could be up to five. And worst of all is they could get to some point and the political climate could change or something else could happen in the world like COVID. <laughs> and they, they scuttle all the books that are in production and your book never gets published. And it's been licensed for five years. Mm. So that is a possibility. You have very little control over your cover. You have very little control over a publication. And you don't really get that much marketing support unless you've already published books with them and you're a known entity. They will give you some graphics. They'll give you a cover and it will all be professionally laid out and designed. But it's very antiquated. That particular process hasn't really changed much since the late 1800s, with the exceptions of audio and digital books. Mm. So then there's the Wild West of hybrid publishing. And I call it that because there's everything from vanity presses, which basically just take what you give them and slap a cover on it and lay it out. But they may not do much editing. You basically have to invest for them to do it, but they'll publish whatever you give them. It doesn't matter. They're not going to give you any feedback. They're not going to tell you if it's good or not. They're just going to publish it. All the way through to a, a, a what I would call a mid-sized publisher, which operates like a traditional publisher in many ways, like Highlander Press is considered a mid-sized publisher because of the number of books that we, the number of titles we publish a year and the fact that we pay royalties, but we pay royalties at a much higher rate than traditional publishers. So um, hybrid publishers always have an investment of some sort. So um, there is that there's that piece of it. But you're making an investment no matter what, believe it or not. And if you're thinking about traditional publishing, think about the fact that you have an agent that you have to split you know, your eight to 10 percent of royalties with. So if it's a little bit of money, it's going to be even less because you're going to be sharing that with your agent. Mm. So that's a long-winded answer. <laughs> no, it's so good though. There's so much to think about. So you talked about um, hiring someone for your cover design. Give me a few do's and don'ts. If you're going to self-publish, what should you definitely do and definitely not do on the cover of your book? I see so many things. I see people with their own photo on there, right? Their own headshot. Then I see things that don't, you know, aren't anything to do with the book, but maybe part of the story, right? That you haven't read yet. Like what, what, where do we go with that? So a lot of it, again, it depends on your ideal reader. So if you have a business book where you are your business, having your photograph on the cover is exactly probably the right thing to do. It can be, um, if you feel confident enough to do that. Um, we've published books that way and they've sold very well, actually. Um, and then if you have a, um, 
if you have a fiction book, you probably do want to think about um, color. Well, actually, fiction, nonfiction. You want to think about color. What colors? Um, colors have language. So, you know, red is a fiery color in the United States. But in uh, if you're going to be publishing internationally in China, that's not necessarily a good color. White is a color of death in China. So you've got to really think about what's the language. So like warm colors evoke a warm feeling in your readers. If it's um, a bodice ripper, right, where you want to have um, that, that sense of passion, you probably want to have elements that sort of draw your ideal reader's image to your cover so that they're like, oh, this, I want to read this. Um, so it really, it, a lot of it depends. There are some big things to think about. Um, and the number one is it isn't so much about the author and what they want. It's what your ideal readers will be attracted to. And that's the biggest mind shift that most authors really have struggle with. Mm. They come with, I really want my, my cover to be this. And it's like, well, we can make that work, but let me suggest a couple of alternatives to consider, you know? Um, yeah. And there's the artwork, there's, you know, original artwork you can use, um, there's a lot of um, stock images that can be manipulated to not look so stocky. Um, the, the, the fonts that you're using. We, we had a cover um, with one of our, our authors who's got a, a fiction book coming out. And we were very clear about what we wanted. Uh, it is a, a soft, gentle fantasy book, right? Kind of Tolkien-esque, but not really. And the cover that came back from the designer, it looked like white fang. Like it was like, this is a wild adventure story. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't capturing this essence at all. So <laughs> we fortunately, we were able to, to, to get a fantastic cover for this book. Um, they use the same elements, by the way, as on that first version. But this is a much softer and much more um, representation of what the book is about. I love that. And does the cover, is it true that the cover really does help sell the book or is it really just the promotion and the, the social media around it and all of that? Well, if you think about, I mean, I mentioned before that really, if you think about the way most people buy books these days, it's online, you know, whether they're going to the big A or they're going to their favorite independent bookstore, everybody has an online shop. And so we're buying books by their thumbnail image. And so we really want to stop the scroll. And if you go on the big A and look just at some book covers, you will be shocked at some of those book covers. Um, so it does matter. Like you can tell a book by its cover, specifically if you if it's self-designed or not. And I mean, there are just some really horrific covers out there, but you can, you know, I one of my favorite nonfiction books is called Made to Stick. And the book cover actually has tactile duct tape on it. And it's so visceral, like, and it's a bright orange cover and it really is eye catching and simple. Um, you know, I'd say don't overthink it. Some, some things that are important is if you aren't a best-selling author, your, your name goes at the bottom of the book and your title and subtitle always go together. They are married elements. And you want them to be short and snappy. You don't want um, a subtitle should not be more than eight words. It should be very short and uh, 
keep playing if you don't know how to get it that way. I love it. Okay. And my, I have another question about this. There seems that a lot of people are putting together anthologies these days, right? So how do you, if you're looking to be a part of an anthology, what are the things you should look at in deciding what group I want to go with? Who should I go with? Sure. I think a lot of it is what are you getting out of that experience? So for example, is it just you're submitting your story and it's going to be in an anthology and then you'll get a couple of copies? Are you being nurtured through the process? I would say talk to other people who've been in anthologies and ask about their experience um, and ask other people that you know who've been in anthologies like, what did you think? Did, is this a process that you loved? Pay attention. Like one of the things that I'm so grateful for at Highlander Presses, we often have a lot of the people who were in our first anthology came right back immediately when I announced the second one. And we see that over and over again. I, I do some editing for another publisher and it's the same thing. Like more than half of the spaces are filled by people coming back again. That's interesting. Repeat offenders, right? <laughs> well, you figure, I love it. What you figure if, if it works and it, it gives you a whole bunch of books that you're then a part of. And usually they get to be a bestseller on Amazon, which means then you're a bestselling author and you can use them as a business card. You can use them to get on stages, but you didn't have to write a whole book. You didn't have to do the cover design. You didn't have to fill in all the blanks, right? Right. Hire the editor, right? right. And do all exactly. the things, right? So you just kind of give them your words and then they take care of it. That's amazing. Oh, great. Great stuff. All right. Uh, last question about this AI to use or not to use when you're writing a book. There's so much talk and so many ways that people are using AI today. So tell us your thoughts about that. Um, I think AI is a tool like a thesaurus. It's like a, a like the tool, like a dictionary. What you don't want to have is you don't want to have AI write your entire submission because there are tools now that can detect if it was written by AI. You can I love um, brainstorming using AI to brainstorm or uh, give me an outline to start with that I can use as a as a, a, a way to jumpstart my brain. So say I'm struggling with a particular phrase, I might go to AI and say, please rewrite this phrase in a warm and friendly tone with, you know, at a fifth grade level or something like that. And you can see what comes back. And it's not that you're going to necessarily use what comes back, but you might use elements of it. And so it's a way, it's a tool. I don't think it's a be all and end all. I certainly don't recommend using it to write your essay and submit it because again, a lot of um, anthologies now have a filter that it will just kick out the story and it's not, it's not admissible. Mm, that's interesting. Awesome. Good, good advice. I love that. All right. Well, now that we've talked about all this anthology stuff, let's talk about your anthology that's coming out in two days. So exciting. So you have your newest anthology, Heart-Centered Marketing. It's proven strategies to naturally attract and nurture clients. So much fun. And it's coming out. Uh, two days on March 6th. 
And so I would love to hear from you and your heart. Uh, what What is the passion that drove this book, this book at this time on this topic? Well, so back up a year ago, we published our first Highlander Press anthology called Your First Year. And it was advice from women entrepreneurs for women entrepreneurs about what they wish they'd known when they started their businesses. And so it was written with really this, this lens to elevate other women who are considering being in business, but sharing you know, tips and tricks and very practical steps like, hey, I, I did this and I wish that I'd known this instead so that it can shortcut other women who are considering that. And it was a great success. We, had, we impacted a lot of women and the, the authors loved the experience. And they're like, are you going to do another one was immediately the question. And so I started doing some research. And in that research, I went on Amazon because it's a great research tool. And I, lo I looked at, well, what are the things that is in particular women entrepreneurs struggle with? And one of them is marketing, especially if you're an introvert, um, but you want to make a difference in the world. So I, I just went and Googled Amazon's top 40 marketing books just to see what was out there how old they were, and then how well they were selling. So of those top 40, can you guess how many were written by women? I cannot guess. Three. That's horrible. That's not even 10%. And women <laughs> are the fastest growing business owners group in the world. More women own businesses in the United States than men. That's and yet. Incredible. We're not represented in this marketing. So I, that was immediately is like, and a lot of the books are what I call bro marketing, right? That push energy, um, the, the used car salesman, the cold calling, the very aggressive tactics that feel really misaligned for feminine energy. Now, feminine energy isn't passive. It's actually very powerful, but we can use it to nurture and attract people that we are called to serve. And so that was the thought behind giving more women a voice. And so I went to, I know a lot of women business owners and I'm like, what were the things that you use in your business that maybe is a variation of what you learned from a guy, but how did you modify it for your business? And so it's, this book is chock full of incredible women sharing their best practices. And then helpful tips on how to consider or think about it for the person who's reading each one. I mean, we cover everything from just mindset all the way through, you know, starting and having your own podcast. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So I love this so much. It's just amazing. And uh, I didn't ever hear the term bro marketing, but I love what you're saying here because it is a different energy and, you know, we need to really get with that. We can, I know that we can be more successful in our efforts um, when we get behind this, you know, more female energy in the marketing space. So a lot of women are just tired of getting beat up by the bro marketing, as you say, right? We're all rolling our eyes as we get, you know, messages on social media. We get these private messages and we're getting pitched as soon as we accept someone as a connection. And it's just, and women are doing it too. And I hope they read the book. 
Right. So absolutely. But I I love this because it's written by women for women uh, to empower them to to market themselves and their businesses in a more natural way. And I think that's what the world needs right now. So I'm super excited about it. And um, and just yes. So why? Why on March 6th? That's that's my next question (laughs) as I'm getting ready to say when it's going to be available. Yes. So March 8th is International Women's Business Day, not business, International Women's Day. And so last year we launched your first year on March 8th. And I'm like, I'm just going to kind of ride along with this idea that we want to give more women a voice. We want to elevate women's voices and this is when we're going to just publish our anthologies is right around um, International Women's Day. So we are just a couple of days ahead. Um, but that's why uh, that's why that date is so important. I love it. So, ladies, treat yourself for International Women's Day and get your copy of Heart Centered Marketing. Oh, my gosh, it's going to be a big hit. And there's 20 authors. Yes. Yes, there's 20 authors. We have some incredible blurbs from women all across the world um, that they got an advanced copy and just the things that they were saying actually made me fall even deeper in love with the wisdom and the generosity of all the authors in this book. I love it. So the link is in the show notes. As you're listening, just click the link for the book and it'll take you right to where you need to go to order your copy of Heart Centered Marketing. This is so fun. All right. Next on my list is let's talk about your new podcast. (laughs) Yes. Um, Gosh, it's about a month old now. And uh, we have had the most incredible women. And it kind of goes in in alignment with with these anthologies, you know, giving more women a voice. So it's called Storytell Her, H-E-R. Um, all capital letters, and it's about elevating women's voices one story at a time. And it's really helping women hear other women's stories so that they can see what's possible for them to guide a light, to shed a light and provide hope and inspiration. And it's a passion project. I, I'm so passionate about elevating women. And so This has just been just the most incredible ride. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Give us an example of just a few topics that um, are on your show right now. Sure. Um, It is interesting because a couple of times people we were talking a little bit about uh, things that held people back from from, you know, kind of growing or what kind of a belief held them back. And one of our of our guests said that she was told as a child that she wasn't creative. And it was in relation to a sibling who was really creative in a very traditional sense. And it wasn't until she was in her fifties that she realized how incredibly creative she is. And she really tapped into it. And she is one of the most creative people I've ever met. So it was shocking to hear that, you know, um, women have shared stories of, um, really having to redefine what their success values are based upon uh, the, the death of a marriage and, and what, you know, that the grief that comes with that. Um, we've had you on our show, Cammie, uh, where you talked very um, 
and I don't want to give away the, the story topic, but you really talked about growing up with your daughter and what that experience was like for you and how it shaped how you saw yourself in the world mm. and the gifts that that brought. Sure. We have people who talk about um, the loss of a spouse and having to completely rebuild their lives at a very young age. Um, so there's just been some really incredible heartwarming stories of, of people really sharing very vulnerably what they've grown through. I'm listening to you and I, this is what I'm thinking. It sounds like another anthology is coming <laughs> just <laughs> from those stories, right? I, yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's, again, it's, it's provided by women for women. You guys don't miss out. Make sure to tune in to Story Tell Her. Uh, it's on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Make sure to tune in and take a listen. It's going to be, it's, it's just amazing. And it, it could be a change, a big change for you. It could definitely be something that could um, empower you to step up and live your best life too, or, or overcome uh, yeah. some things that might be holding you back, some stories or some things in your life. Um, so yeah, so, so fun. So, oh my gosh, storyteller, don't miss out on Apple podcasts. Well, congratulations to you, Deborah, And thank you so much for being with us and sharing all of this with us today about this new book and your podcast and just the ways that you're elevating women's voices in the world. Um, let's do this. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. The best place to find me is at HighlanderPressBooks.com. And then Perfect. all the links to everything else are, are there. Yes, everything and everything's in the show notes, you guys. So if you can't write that down, just click the links. It'll take you to the book, the podcast, the website, everywhere where you can find Deborah. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad and the ugly. I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster and you want to come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're going to have experts there that are going to be sharing their genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend and it is on Zoom. So super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, 
and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment. We can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org. Well, you know, on She's Invincible, we promise our listeners we're going to bring them fierce entrepreneurs and we're going to share their expert zone of genius, which you did so well today. Thank you. Thanks for just jumping in and just really digging in deep to answer some of these questions that people are wondering about, right? Uh, as they're thinking and, and you know, insinuating like, I need to write a book. Like, yes, yes, you do. And here's the answers to the questions. So thank you for that. Uh, but you know, we're not done, right? Because right. we also <laughs> promise that while we're spotlighting and we're sharing all this great expert um, advice and, and education here, that we also want to pull back the curtain, right? Everyone's thinking right now, they're listening to you and they're thinking, listen to her. She's so well-spoken. She's a writer. She's publishing self, you know, uh, number one bestsellers. And she's got a podcast and all these things. And they have no idea behind the scenes what that took, right? So everybody <laughs> wants to be like you, but not everyone wants to pay the price you paid. And so I would love to share a few stories. And just to our listeners, you know, Deborah was here uh, a few episodes ago, and she shared some stories and some good, bad, and ugly there. But today we're going to share good, bad, and ugly on this journey of book publishing. And so are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> yes, let's prepare the people. So the first thing is we want to hear about the good or the greatest part of this journey so far. Well, I'll tell you, Cammie, one of the things that it, it's so much joy for me as a publisher to witness women, in particular women, who didn't have any confidence in their message or their their writing style or the fact that they could be published and then actually witnessing their transformation having them see their book for the first time and experience that together uh, it's like it's like christmas and hanukkah and easter and my birthday all rolled into one and the more women that we do that with, the more women are sharing their wisdom. And so that for me is the greatest gift of this journey for me. I love that. That's awesome. All right. Let's talk about the bad. So we'll save the ugly for last, but tell us a quick story about the bad part of the journey. So the bad part of the journey is that, you know, as we grow and we have more authors coming, um, you know, I, I very mindfully set up my company to be a very flat organization. And that was a mindful decision. But what is so what I mean by that is I have me plus a book shepherd and my wing woman. So three of us. And 
Then I, I actually built a web of collaborative partners who are also women-owned businesses who specialize in marketing or cover design or interior layout or launches, um, social media, all of these web, this web of other women so that they can grow their businesses as we grow ours. But I am one person and I am the developmental editor primarily the, the solo developmental editor. And so I'm a pinch point. And so as we grow, the bad is I get to find time to balance my own life while still, you know, keeping the commitments to everybody else. And so we're just at that pinch point. And a lot of other business owners are going to recognize, you know, I've got to get out of the way in order for us to grow to the point where I know that we're meant to grow to. Mm, that's a big realization. And it's scary because you have to let go, mm -hmm. right? And trust other people to do the job. And that's hard. I, like that is hard, but yes. you can do it, right? Because that does a bottleneck to your company because you're that one person yeah. and you're going to either sacrifice, you know, the things that are important to you in order to trade time for this. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And so and that success is not worth it if you have to let everything else go along the way. Right. And so I love that you're in that place now where you're considering these things Absolutely. Um, and it'll be exciting to see how you grow. Um, so I look forward to that. Oh, my gosh. And yet that's the bad. And it still seems so encouraging and promising. <laughs> um, OK, tell us about the ugly part of this journey. Oh, my gosh. This is such an embarrassing story. <laughs> So very early on, even before Highlander Press was officially like licensed and changed over and um, I ghost wrote a book with someone that I knew and it's a great book. It's really inspirational. But the book included um, a bunch of color photographs. So the book was a complex book to put together. And so if you think about that, you have text. Then you have in the middle, you have all these color photographs and then you have text. And so we did a print proof where I sent it to the author and I asked for him to read it and then let me know if it was OK to push publish. But he was really busy. And so he said it and passed it along to about 10 people in his circle and all 10 people read it, told him how great it was. And then we, he approved it verbally. I pushed publish. He ordered 3,000 copies. And when he received them, we realized that there were some pages that had gotten messed up. So the pagination had gotten screwed up. And when we mentioned it, I said, didn't you have people proofread this? And when we looked at it, it looked right. So it was when it was printed that it was the problem. And he said, he asked them and every single one of them said, yeah, we saw that, but we didn't want to get you upset because you were so excited. Oh. All of them. So I bit the bullet and I paid for those 3000 books to be reprinted. And I immediately updated my contract. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Those are contract producing events, aren't yeah. they? Oh, my yes. gosh. The update. It was it was never again, um, right? It was devastating because you know, there, I I poured so much of myself and I ghost wrote this mm -hmm. book. It was so 
And it was a book that I genuinely, I care about all my books to be perfect. I mean, I, I do really personally care about all of them, but this story had uh, a lot of elements that really um, hit my heart. And so uh, I wanted it to be right. So yeah, Ugh. that was, that was a really ugly experience and he was very gracious about it. Um, but I, I, it, it was a very expensive learning experience. Mm, yikes. Okay, then. All <laughs> right. Lesson learned. That will never happen again. No, right? <laughs> will not. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. Cause like you said, it was like, you know, what are your most embarrassing moments? And those are hard to share. But the truth is they're going to help someone else because someone else who's just starting out is going to know, never go, never do that. So right. thank you for that. And for that journey that you took and how you figured things out. And now you got it down and you're publishing these number one bestsellers and without mistakes and big financial commitments to fix things. And I love it. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for being with us. Congratulations on this amazing new anthology, heart-centered marketing, you guys. Make sure to click the link and get your copy today. And um, Deborah, your podcast, oh my gosh, so fun, so fun. Congratulations. I love that you are dedicating that to helping women elevate their stories and heal from them. So thank you for that and for being here and sharing with our listeners today. And but more than anything, thank you for being invincible. Well, thank you for having me. And to you guys, you know what we say. I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up. You can do it. I know it feels like you can't, but we're telling you, you can do it. You can do anything. You are invincible. Thank you for joining us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please follow the show, submit a rating and review and share us with your friends. If you would like to chat to see if you can attract your ideal client and monetize your business through podcasting, please book a free call with me at CammieLeeman.com. I can't wait to meet you.